Uh, how's everybody doing today? Good? All right. Yeah, you get a fill of, of turkey uh, over the week. Um, I think I had turkey like four or five different ways, uh, which was nice. Um, my, my dad actually picked up a smoked turkey from like an Amish store uh, up by Marshfield. Was, never had that before, but it was actually nice because it was like completely cooked already. Uh, and then you just had to warm it up and you didn't have to worry about the little button popping out or overcooking it or anything like that. Um, and, and just so you know, I'm stalling right now uh, as I'm kind of talking about Thanksgiving. Um, I had an old message prepared uh, for this morning. Uh, out of Romans chapter 5, uh, as we go into Advent and, and looking at the different aspects of Advent, you know, hope, love, joy, peace, um, and then on Christmas Eve coming and talking about Christ uh, and the whole reason that he came here. Um, and I said I had a whole message prepared and, and it's sitting right there, but uh, as I'm walking here today, um, I just felt like I needed to go to Psalm 42, and, and I didn't even like, like, I didn't know what Psalm 42 was in the middle of my walk. Um, and then I got here, and I completely forgot, like, Psalm 42. Uh, and, and so I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, where, where, what was that number again? And so I'm kind of paging through, and, and I end up at Psalm 46. I'm like, oh, that's really good. Maybe we should do that today. Uh, and then during these last songs, it was like, no, but it's Psalm 42, and and so I'm saying all of this to like let you know that I might stumble a little bit as we go into this. I apologize to the people with the words over there. Um, if you're able to get Psalm 42 and Psalm 46 um, worked into there, I don't know when they'll pop up. Um, but today, the, the focus of Advent is hope. What do you think of when you hear the word hope? And, and your answers, again, help me to stall as I'm kind of praying and saying, Lord, Lord where do you want to go with this? Uh, so uh, let's, let's build this together a little bit. When you think of hope, what do you think of? What was that? Something, something better, right? Like, who hopes for something worse? <laughs> you know, like, things are going okay. Like, maybe this could get worse. You know, we, we look at those people as half glass, you know, empty kind of folks or... Um, you know, pessimists and, and all that. So that's a good one. Something better. What else? What? Heaven. Yeah, the hope of heaven, right? Um, why do we hope in heaven so much? Because all of our pain will be gone? Yeah? That's good? It's better than this, right? It's not here, right? Um, and so that's a good one. That's Romans 5. That was my plan for this morning. <laughs> and so I think we'll probably touch on it um, because it, it does do that. But yeah, Romans 5 is, is great. And I, I, again, I think we'll get there today, but I don't think we're going to spend the whole time on that this morning. So uh, anything else with hope? Rest. Why rest? Sure. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Right. No, that's really good. Hope is one of those things um, that because we want something better and, and we're hoping and trusting in something better, uh, hope uh, is realized in two different ways. Like, like the things that we hope for when they actually arrive is like this great celebration and, and something that we just are able to, to fully enjoy because the, the season leading up to it is now over and, and the thing that we hope for is now here, right? But at the same time, like Linda was saying, hope itself is almost like a, a lifeline, something that we can rest in uh, in the midst uh, of the situation that we're hoping is, is going to get better. It's what uh, the Jews in Israel were hoping for when they were waiting for the Messiah. And, and they were waiting for him to come. And, and when Jesus came down to this earth, you know, some 2,000 years ago, uh, most of them didn't even recognize him. They didn't recognize that the thing that they've been hoping for and waiting for this entire time is literally walking and eating and breathing alongside them. Uh, and they totally missed it. Uh, it's something that we celebrate now with Christmas. It's why we have this uh, season called Advent, which uh, or Adventus, which literally means like this this sense of of waiting or anticipation. And we do this every year leading up to Christmas because it's a a recognition of uh, the time of hope, waiting for the thing that we hope for to to arrive. And, and the Israelites, most of them missed it when Jesus was born. And, and now we look back from 2,000 years later and we have all of Scripture and, and we're like, oh, I probably wouldn't have done that if I was there. Uh, but then we, we celebrate his birthday on Christmas. And I, I know the date whole thing doesn't necessarily match up, but it's a time that we acknowledge his arrival on earth. But do, do you know why Advent was originally started? It wasn't for Christmas. Advent was originally started uh, during the time of Christmas, but as a reminder that Jesus is coming back. The, the whole point of it was to acknowledge, like, okay, Christmas, we're, we're acknowledging his birth, the arrival of the Savior, that he came to live a perfect life without sin uh, in order to die in our place, to pay for our sins uh, so that uh, we don't pay the penalty that he took it in our place. And we acknowledge that on Christmas and, and we rejoice in that. But Advent was designed in leading up to Christmas to really be a reminder that we're waiting for him to come back. That, that we're waiting for something better than this. And, and that gives us hope. And it gives us some rest it gives us some peace as we face uh, situations of different kinds. And, and who can even plan for what happens in this world? Last Sunday, a week ago today, there was a Christmas parade in Waukesha. Families and children going there to celebrate Christmas. And a person trying to escape accountability for his actions drives through and injures many and people die. Tragedy strikes. 
it wasn't even an intentional attack. And, and yet we know in our world those intentional attacks even happen. This was just a random occurrence of events that all ended up and, and people suffering. Now, now, even in this, like, there's, there's so many stories of, of, like, I was just on this last week, um, was at a gym in Waukesha that's connected to this whole Faith Rx thing. We'll have, like, a, a time afterwards if you have questions on that. Um, but I, I met a woman there who's from Seattle. And uh, she's living in Seattle. Her mother was at the parade, right, and um, was hit. And, and so the doctors end up calling her in Seattle and saying, uh, we think that you need to, to come back. You, you need to rush back because we don't think she's going to make it. She's in ICU. Uh, get back here so that you have a chance to be able to say goodbye. Uh, and so she flies back um, and is able to get there and, and to see her mom who's in ICU. Um, she's kind of stressed out. And, and so she goes and she works out at the gym and, and people are, are praying for her mom. And um, we were there doing the workout on Thanksgiving, um, kind of be able to like spend calories in order to eat calories later, <laughs> Right. <laughs> You know, I could, you know, get a deficit, and that way when I had a choice between pecan and pumpkin, um, I could say both, you know, because I did 50 sit-ups earlier, that's this slice, and because it was 50 ring rows, there's that slice, and I still got more for cookies and ice cream, so it was great. So, so I meet her on Thanksgiving, and, and she is just glowing because her mom gets to come home that day. Like, like such a turnaround where they were telling her, fly here quickly because she's going to die. Say goodbye. She ends up, she wasn't even planning on being home for Thanksgiving, but now she's home. She gets to take her mom home and have Thanksgiving with her uh, at home. And so just an amazing story that, that people were hoping for. And sadly, that's not the same story for everybody in that. This is where it gets difficult in our faith. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. We, we have a hope and the promises within Scripture. Uh, Revelations uh, 21. Uh, this one is on there, so you'll be able to grab that. Like, here's one of the promises that we hold on to when we hear things that like, happened in Waukesha or, or even with COVID and people dying um, from whatever cause, uh, this is one of the verses. And, and in this, uh, it's a vision of what's to come. And he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven, the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. In other words, our current situation that we're in right now is done and over worth and, and something better is now here. Something that we've been hoping for. Verse 2, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. No more death, no more suffering, no more striving for life. Striving to, to, to 
be something, to make a difference. No, no more striving for any of that. That's, that's all gone. Could you imagine a world um, where COVID doesn't exist? Where the common cold doesn't exist? Cancer is gone. Um, every one of us could like ride a bicycle for 50 miles and enjoy it, right? Not just suffer through it, but enjoy it. Like, like the pain when you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed and you're like, oh, I don't want to get started. That's gone. Can, can you imagine that? Like, this is the hope that's given to us. This is the promise that's given to us that, that Jesus Christ said, like, I'm here to, to fulfill this. I'm here to die in your place so that you can participate in this for all of eternity. This is the hope that I'm giving to you. And this is why we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I love that song. We rejoice in the hope of glory of God. But we're still here right? We're still here, and, and things are difficult, and things are hard, and things are painful. And life can be tiring at times. We make mistakes. Other people make mistakes. Other people are intentional to hurt other people. We live in this messy, messy life. And, and sometimes even the things that should be safest for us, our own families, can be sources of pain and chaos. And then we look at promises and hope like this. And we're like, yeah, I can't wait till I get there. I can't wait for this something that's better. Because I, I want to be done with this and this pain and, and this strife. And, and there's something to be said for that, right? Like, that's one of the things that hope is, is good for. We, we have this hope of something that's, that's out there, that's not where we're at. And, and so we keep our eyes on that. We, we want to pursue after that. And, and so we go for it. And all along, we're like, uh, where I'm at, this stinks, and this stinks, and this stinks. Okay, but that's there, right? I, I used to approach running like that. Like some of you know, if you've been coming here for a while, that I'm trying to get into this whole healthier mindset and this whole idea and concept uh, of being faithful to God in, in all aspects of our life. And it's even starting to change the way that we do some ministry. And I'm just, here's a little segue plug in this, but the whole idea of, of a year or so ago, if somebody would have came to me and, and said, uh, I'm struggling with depression, like our response as a church was, well, let's, let's pray for you because God's able to heal. God's able to help. Um, and are you seeing a, a Christian counselor? Can we connect somebody, you know, with that? But then as we've been doing this research and on this journey myself, like coming to this realization that God's also designed our bodies to work in a certain way. And that if we eat too much sugar, we get depressed, it's a simple chemical reaction that works within our, our brains. And, and so now one of the reasons, and again, we'll talk about it later, um, 
after the service, but one of the reasons we're pursuing this faith RX type thing uh, is because we want to approach depression on this holistic aspect of the way that God has designed us to work, but then also looking for him to work spiritually uh, and mighty in our lives, right? Now, this is one of those awkward moments where I got on that segue and I forget how I launched off into that. (laughs) Where, Where was I going? Anybody remember? Neither do I. <laughs> okay, so running, right? So starting this whole journey, right, with, with running and, and getting back to that idea of as we walk through this life, we, we have this idea and this concept of hope out there but feeling miserable where we're at right now. And that's how I used to approach running. Like it was this whole thing where I would like, okay, I'm going to go on a three-mile run and the hope out there is Dunkin' Donuts, Right? Like, like if I do this and I suffer through this, like, I can have a donut. <laughs> right? And, and so, like, every little step was like, oh, I really don't want to be doing this, but I really want the donut. And, and the truth is we can approach our, our Christian life in that sense also. We have the idea of the hope of the glory of God and all the promises within Revelation and throughout all of a scripture that, that promise us that the, the things that we are suffering in right now will be no more. And, and so we have that, that hope out there. But in the meantime, we walk through this life and, and we turn it into a suffer fest of something simply to endure until we get to that. And if that's our focus, our lives can become truly miserable here and now on earth. And my life was miserable running until I had the donut, uh, but then I had to go out and run again. Now this whole thing kind of ties together and, and we'll get there, but the point is, is while we're here on earth, we struggle with both the, the hope is here and now, and it means something. As Linda pointed out, it gives us rest. It gives us hope. It can change our life and the way that we approach everything that we face here and now if we have the right attitude uh, about it. That it's not just something out in the future that takes place then, but it's actually working within us here and now, right now, regardless of how difficult or how horrible life may seem. This is where Psalm 42 comes in. Uh, here, uh, the sons uh, of Korah are, are writing this in Psalm 42. Uh, all right, we got it up there. Thank you very much. Uh, and so this is one of those passages um, that surprises me every time I read it um, because of the way this changes. Uh, and so he starts off and says, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. Uh, when can I come and appear before him? Like, I really like that verse. Like, here's this whole poetic thing that, that, that you could put onto, like, a Christian card, like, really easy. God, how much I love you and I long for you. The, the way a deer wants water, like, that's how much I want you in my life. And it's one of those poetic things that we resonate with and say, like, I want to be so desperate for God that, that I want to pursue him that way. It's a, it's a beautiful way to, to write this. But then it continues on. 
Uh, my tears have been my food day and night. Like, like what a shift from this poetic, oh, like the deer wants water, Lord, I just need you. Uh, all I've been eating lately is my own salty tears. My life's been so painful, I cry all during the day, and I cry at night, and it seems like I'm crying so much, my only sustenance is this. Maybe he's so distraught at this point that he, he's not even eating. All the day long, people say to me, where is your God? I think that's a question that a lot of people in the world have for us as Christians. Uh, just to be honest. The parade thing happens, where's God? Terrorist attack happens, where's God? Somebody in our family gets cancer and dies, where's God? Situation and difficulty after difficulty, rough marriage, family situations, whatever it is, this question comes up, where's God? And the Holy Spirit inspired this person to say the same thing within the book of Psalms. Where's God? Because what I want him to do, he's not doing right now. And this situation stinks. Sure, this hope is there. But this question, people were asking him, where's God? So he says in verse 4, I remember this, as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and sh thankful shouts. So, so this is somebody who at one point in their life was a worship leader. And, and not just up here with like a song, but, but it says with a joyful and thankful shouts of praise. Like they're so excited to like, let's worship God and everything is awesome. And, and now they're eating salty tears. Uh, for breakfast and lunch and, and dinner, right? I, I think it's just a good acknowledgement that we all have times in our life where things are, are good with God and things in life, like we're able to like, yep, we're here, but I have this hope and God's with me. Who can be against me? Like those verses make sense. And then there's other times in our life where those verses don't make the most sense, Right? So he continues on then, and he's like, I used to do this worship leading stuff with joyful and thankful shouts. Verse 5, my soul, why are you so dejected? Like, I remember this really happy time. Oh, my soul hurts. Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. He's talking to himself right here. He's saying that, that he hurts so deeply, but yet he's reminding himself to put hope in God, regardless of these feelings. Verse 6, I am deeply depressed, and so I remember you from the land of Jordan, the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. And so he's reminding himself of the things that God has done in the past, regardless of how he feels now. Now last week, when we talked about thankfulness and the upcoming celebration of Thanksgiving, well, we touched on this, this idea of, in Philippians chapter 4, that this, the, the key, the secret to contentment was rejoicing. Rejoicing, thankfulness. Reminding ourselves of what God has done despite how we feel in a in particular circumstance. Same idea here. 
And he says in verse 7, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. I read that passage and I, I take it two different ways. And I think we're supposed to take it two different ways, right? This, this whole the, the deep uh, to deep in the roar of the waterfalls. Like there's something in that that, that resonates with my soul uh, of like deep anchored hope. Right? Like, like unfathomable God's love, God's majesty, His power, His deep calls to deep. It's, it's greater than, than I can fathom. But then in the very next sentence, uh, He says, all your breakers and billows have swept over me. Has anybody been in the ocean when the waves just keep hitting you over and over and over again? It feels chaotic. What way is up? Which way is down? And I think the Holy Spirit's inspiring him to acknowledge that our walk with God can feel the same. Sometimes it's so deep and it's so anchored that it gives us a peace regardless of our circumstance. And other times we're just trying to figure out which way is up in life. I love the Psalms because they get so real. And we relate to them so much. Verse 8 then, he's reminding himself, even though it feels like these things are sweeping over me, the Lord sent his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to God of my life. So, so even while these salty tears are, are coming, his prayers are going out. Because he's got no other choice but to acknowledge God exists. And he promises to take care of us. He gives us a hope that's outside of this world. That, that all of the shaking that may happen, it does not matter because God is in control. We may not understand in the moment. We may not know which way is up. But he created up and he created down and we're in the palm of his hand. Romans 8 says, what can separate us from the palm of his hand? Neither life, nor death, nor tribulation. In all of these things, we're more than conquerors. And so we, we rest in this hope. Uh, he continues on uh, and says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? I forget what term this is in English, but is it oxymoron? Two different things that are kind of stated but opposing to one another. Can anybody, am I using the right term on that, anybody? Okay, so like a soft rock, right? And what he's saying here, though, is I'm saying to God my rock, God my anchor, God my hope, why have you forgotten me? In one sense, he's acknowledging who God is. And his ability to carry through any situation. And at the same time acknowledging it doesn't feel like it right now. But what he's declaring is the truth. My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones. Well, all the day long they say to me, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. So regardless of how it feels from our perspective, put our hope in God. Now this is written by the, the sons of uh, Korah here um, in Psalm 42. 
Now if we go forward uh, a few different uh, chapters to Psalm 46, uh, which is the other one from this morning. This is also from the sons of Korah. So we kind of go through this first one where they're like, my bones are being crushed. I'm eating my salty tears day and night. Everything feels dark and dismal, yet I will praise and hope in God. And here in another situation, the sons of Korah are, are singing this, are praying this in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. No matter what's going on, God is there. Therefore, verse 2, we will not be afraid even though the earth trembles, the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. Like, like what a picture. Like, like what if someday we wake up and on our Facebook news feed or we turn on C-SPAN, Fox, whatever you choose to watch and and they're in Colorado and, and they've got this picture and the mountains are all of a sudden like gone just gone like it's flat all the way from Nebraska to California like I, I don't know if you've ever driven that through Nebraska you could literally tie a string onto your wheel and just take a nap for like five hours and then you get to Colorado and you start seeing like these haze and you're like, is it clouds? And it grows and it grows and it's mountains. But, but imagine waking up to a news report where the mountains themselves have been pushed off, actually cast off over California, uh, fell into the ocean uh, and you see them no more. But the ocean itself is like boiling and, and earthquakes are happening. Like that would be terrifying to us. And yet this is what this person uh, is saying, is that even though this is happening, we're not going to be afraid because God's got it. If our world devolves into chaos as Christians, we do not have to be afraid because God's got it. We don't have to be afraid with, with COVID. We don't have to be foolish, but we don't have to be afraid whatever happens with our political system, all the conspiracy theories, all the people saying, well, this is still going to happen. Not my president, all this. It doesn't matter because God's got it. And we don't have to be afraid. He's the one that's in control. They continue to write here. You see how their attitude is so different in this chapter. It's just four chapters later. Verse 4, there's a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her and she will not be toppled. You realizing that this is pointing forward to the same city in Revelation? Like, like here is this new dwelling and God is there with people and it will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come see the works of the Lord who brings devastation upon the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. In, in other words, everything that's causing pain, everything that's causing chaos, God will put an end to. 
Stop fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. This is our hope. This is what Advent is meant to be. This is the the, the spiritual lead up to Christmas is all meant to remind us that the world that we live in is temporary, that something better is coming. And, And so we look to that with hope, but also acknowledging that as we place our hope in the promise of a world without pain, without sickness, without death, without cancer, without cars running through parades, without mass shootings, without all of those things, that is coming. And with If we allow for that hope to work in our life now, we begin to be changed and transformed while we're still here. That was something I did not understand when I started going on runs to begin with, and my hope was just Dunkin' Donuts, right? Three miles to go, I can get a donut, you know? And then after about a block, it's like 2.9 miles to go, and I and I just was waiting and suffering through it, and I was miserable. But, but once I got to a point where I realized that it was going through the difficulty itself, even though I had this hope over here that wasn't fully realized yet, that it was going through the difficulty itself with hope, with the right perspective, with the mindset of the promises of God, and with the mindset that it is the, the suffering of this running that actually is what's going to change my body. Like that's the ultimate goal. Well, we have to realize Jesus died on the cross to to give us salvation. And we look that our ultimate goal is heaven. And his ultimate goal is for us to get there. But his plan is for us to go through life here and now on this earth in order to get us ready for life in eternity with him. Now, all the work is his. We can't earn salvation. But what he promises is that as we go through difficulties, he will use them to grow us, to become more like him, to be better bearers of hope, so that as we do that, other people recognize what God is doing in our lives and want the same thing. This is where we go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, excuse me. Um, And it starts off, Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've also obtained through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's where the song comes from. Not only that, we rejoice in our afflictions. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to rejoice in our afflictions, to to be happy about the difficult things we're going through. But this verse tells us why. We rejoice in our afflictions because we know that this affliction or this testing or that this difficulty produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Now this idea of proven character Um, it's that idea of like a refining process of gold. So you go through that, it's kind of broken down, but then the junk is taken out. 
That's what this passage is talking about. But hope is only produced through the struggle to get there. And we only struggle because we realize that there's something better that we want to be a part of, that we want to live through this. And then in verse 5, it says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Essentially, it's all worth it. The most difficult things that we go through in this life are all worth it if we go through it with God might be painful in the process, might be tiring in the process, may go on way longer than we want it to go on. But his promise is that he will use it to, to grow our hope, to grow our faith, to refine us, to be more like Jesus so that we can continue to be on mission in this world to share that hope with other people so that as many of us can, can sit with Jesus at the celebration table with no more dying, no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, because all these things have passed away. That's where our hope is. But did you see in Romans 5 what the key is to have this hope? It's in verse 1. Since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through being declared righteous by faith. It's only through the forgiveness of our sins, through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, that we can have hope. If we are not saved by his blood and his grace alone, we have no hope. What does the best efforts of humanity ever give us? We get some cool things, right? like little cell phones that used to fill whole rooms. Like, that's kind of cool. Oh, but there's possibly radiation in that that might give you cancer. Right? Oh, we, we have this government that's, that's so awesome. Uh, but then it fights another government and they take over. Like, oh, here's this Roman Empire. And look how big it is and the order that they're bringing and where are they now? The sun never sets on the British Empire. They live on an island now. Right? America's the greatest. Uh, how old are we? We're an infant in comparison to other governments in this world. We try. And we might find a little hope and a little hope there. But it's all temporary and it's all here and now. And all these things will fade away. Because God's coming to get rid of it all. Because what we have right now is where there is pain, where there is suffering, where there is dying, and where there is no hope. God will remove it all, bring himself down to live with those who are saved. But again, we only have that hope if we're declared righteous by faith. Essentially what this means is coming to a place in our life where we acknowledge, uh, I can't do this on my own anymore. I, I, I can try with all of my might, all of my strength to, to make something of my life, to make a difference in this world, to, to be a good enough person. But it's never good enough. The, the, the thing that I remind, you know, think of when it comes to heaven 
and I've shared this a few times before, but, but I just remember being like a little kid at the fair, and, and you'd have like the chicken in a cowboy outfit that has it's like its little wing here, like you must be this high to ride this ride. Does anybody remember those things? I hated that chicken. It had that big smile, you know, a little lasso next to it. And, but I'm like down here, and, and that's the cool ride that all the big kids are going on. And I want to go on that ride. And, and so you kind of walk up on your tiptoes, like, but you don't want your heels to be too high because they'll notice. And, and so you're trying to be like. <laughs> and the guy's like, nope, not good enough. It's the same thing with heaven. And by God's decree. His decree is you must be absolutely perfect without sin and you must be holy and righteous as I am holy and righteous in order to get into heaven. That's his standard. That's his, I'm not going to say chicken. <laughs> but basically Jesus is standing there and he's like, are you as good as me? If not, you can't go on this ride. Here's where there's no hope, or not rather, here's where there's no death, here's where there's no suffering, no illness. You want to be in, you have to be as good as me. Impossible in our own strength. We cannot do it. But yet the hope that we have is in Advent. The hope that we have is found in Christmas where Jesus himself looks down at all of humanity, all of us going through this rat race of life, trying to do the best that we can to just be good enough, but it's never good enough. He looks down and says, they'll never make it on their own. I'm going in. And so he willingly chooses to come down to this earth in order to live the life that none of us could ever attain to to make all the right choices, to never make the wrong choice, never do the wrong thing, never sin. Even though Roman, or Hebrews tells us he was tempted in every way, the same way that we were tempted, yet he was without sin. He lives this life and then is condemned as a criminal and executed as a criminal. Completely undeserving. But as a sacrifice as a perfect sacrifice in order to pay for what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden where sin has run rampant in this world and in our own lives. Jesus willingly did this in order to take our place, to grant us freedom, and in order to, to give us and call us righteous by faith in him. It's a free gift and all it takes to receive that free gift is just to give up yourself. Give up trusting in your own strength. Give up trying to strive and to be good enough on your own. And just submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. To say all my best plans, all my best efforts, all my best designs will never attain to what you accomplished here on the earth and through your death. And that's what I choose to trust in. My whole life I give to you. And I will follow you because you are the source of hope. And the only way that I can attain that is by submitting to you. And then he gives us a glorious hope. A hope that we can't even fathom. Imagine never coughing again. <laughs> That'd be great. 
right? That's the hope that he gives us. And it works here and now and changes us and transforms us. Regardless of the circumstance, it can still feel really difficult at times. It can be really hard. We might get exhausted. But it's through that exhaustion that we produce endurance. Through that endurance, we get proven character, refined like gold. And through that, our hope is fully realized and it is promised it will never disappoint us. I'm going to pray in a second here, uh, invite the worship team to come up. Um, as they do so, though, <clears throat> I think in messages like this, where we're looking at the hope and the promise of God, but yet there's a contingency, that hope only comes through the forgiveness of sins offered by Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. And I would be remiss this morning if before we go into worship that we don't take an opportunity for people here today to make that choice. Now I also want to bring out my whole plan this morning uh, was to go through Romans 5 and just like you know, let's, let's kind of pick it apart and look at the, the exegesis. And, and, and here's through Romans 5. And, and so I want to say, if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you can relate with that feeling uh, of being crushed, with that feeling of being hopeless uh, out of Psalm 42, that was for you today. It wasn't my plan to, to, to even talk about that. I even forgot what chapter it was until the last song. And this whole thing shifted in that moment. And if this spoke to you here this morning, I, I just want you to acknowledge that was for you. Because you're here. And then the hope of Psalm 46 that regardless of the shaking of the world or mountains cast into the sea, that's what you can have in Jesus Christ if you just give up and let go. So I just want to take a moment. Uh, I'd like everybody to close their eyes uh, here. And if you're here this morning and, and you are like a deer panting for water and you see that there's no hope in this world and you know that you need Jesus and you're ready to give up. Uh, I just want to ask you to lift your hand here this morning. Uh, we want to pray with you. All right, see your hands. I'm just going to take another moment. Thank you. See your hands. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, uh, at this point, I want all of us just to kind of pray this. Um, I'm going to lead it because I, I think we all need it. Um, our Heavenly Father, we give up. We can't do this in our own strength. I'm not good enough, but you are. Please forgive me of my sins. I choose to die to living my own way. And I choose to submit to you as Lord. I need your guidance. I need your help. And I thank you for your love. My life is yours.
Do with it as you will. I hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen.